Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. this done before, or perhaps you've heard about this done before. So let me present to you um, our, our time. The jar in our illustration is going to represent any, um, basically, um, amount or allotment of time. This could represent a day. This could represent a week. This could represent a year. Or this jar could represent your lifetime. And all the little pebbles in the jar represent all the cool and fun things you do that basically waste your time. Things that you don't want to give up. But things that you would admit, ah, maybe not all that important. For some of you, about half the pebbles in this jar represent Facebook. (laughs) Okay, I'll let you decide who you are. Um, The pebbles in the jar represent Facebook. They represent shopping online. They represent driving through car lots to look at cars you can't afford. They represent driving through neighborhoods to look at homes you can't afford. They represent staying out too late with friends. It represents that extra round of golf. It represents all the television you watch, all the internet that you surf. It just represents all that stuff that fills up our time. Things that we don't want to give up. Things that kind of make life spicy and make life fun and just make life enjoyable. But we would all admit they're, they're just not critical to our success. They're just things. And then to add to that are all the things that we would admit are important. If you've got kids, obviously you have to put your kids in the time jar. They're, they're important. And then for those of you who are married, um, this represents your spouse. You want to make sure there's time for your spouse. Maybe you would like one of these smaller ones. Anyway, one of these represents your spouse. Uh, and then we have to go to work. There's, you know, we had to spend time on the job. And then for those of you who are in school, you got to make sure you have time to study. And then there's the church rock or the spiritual life rock or your community group or small group rock. And then there's the exercise rock or the leisure time rock or the whatever it is. And so all of that has to fit in the course of a day or a week or a month or a year or a lifetime. And for many of us, this kind of represents our lives. That There's just not enough time in the day. There's just not enough time in the week. There's not enough time in the month. You look back on your life or a season of your life and you say, wow, you know, the kids are grown and gone and I, I just missed too many ball games or I missed too many dinners at home or I, you know, I, miss, I just, there just wasn't enough time to get it all finished. And the point that we want to make today as we continue our talk about the time of your life and discussion about the time of your life is simply this, that the key, the key to getting more accomplished in life is not simply adding The key to getting as much done as possible in life is prioritizing correctly. In fact, the principle I want to leave you with today is simply this. That priority determines capacity. Would you say that with me? Priority determines capacity. One more time. Priority determines capacity. That's what, it's what you put in first that ultimately determines the capacity of your life and the capacity of your time. Now, this is a pretty amazing thing. Watch this. So here goes, here goes Facebook, 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 golf, internet, hangout, shop, car lot, all that cool stuff that you think it's not critical, but I sure don't want to give it up. Now watch this. We're not even done. With room to go. Isn't that amazing? Now, here's, here's what I don't want you to miss. Priority determines 
capacity. The priorities of your life determine the capacity of your time, whether it's a day, a month, a week, or in fact, a season of life, or perhaps a year of your life, or perhaps your whole life. Now, that's probably not new information. And the question that I want us to ask and talk a little bit about today is why don't we live this way? Why, why don't we prioritize correctly? Why don't we put the big rocks in first? And the reason is for some of us, we've never sat down and asked the question and maybe written the answer down. What are the big rocks in my life? What is really most important to me? What are the non-negotiables? What are the things that at the end of this year, the end of this season, the end of my education, the end of my first few years of marriage, what are the things that I want to look back on and say, I put those in first. They weren't left over. I didn't have to force them in and cram them in. Those were the priorities of my life. Good morning. My name is Toby Axelson. For those of you who don't know me, I'm an elder here at the church, and I have the privilege of, of teaching today. And uh, as you probably already figured out, we're continuing in this sermon series called Mine. Actually, not mine, but yours, Lord. Right? And I get the privilege of teaching on time. And I think he did a better job than I probably could if we're going to go down that road. Um, as I realized, as I went through and, and started studying this, we have talents, time, and resources. And, and there are a lot of scripture references on talents or gifts. There's a ton of them. And there is a lot spoken on money and resources in the scripture. No matter how hard I tried, I never found that scripture that said, you are to spend X amount of hours every week evangelizing. Can't find it. No matter... So I, I don't know if I drew the short straw here or, or what, but <clears throat> here we are. And, and I'm actually kind of excited. I've, I've been doing a lot of research and, and, and a lot of thinking and praying over this. And, and yes, priority determines capacity. And we can even go as far as to say the high-capacity people have figured out how to prioritize their life well. Right? We can say that. We have all kinds of things like nobody plans to fail we fail to plan and and here we go pack your bags we are going on a guilt trip right and and it's just this stuff is hard right we're struggling with time and trying to figure out how to do with it and and teaching a message to this like of this pretty soon becomes almost like a self-help seminar and and that's so not what we want to go with this john randall used to be the family pastor here he had a great saying he used to say that if you can teach it at a self-help seminar or in a synagogue without getting kicked out, you're probably doing it wrong. Because if Jesus is not involved, we're not doing it right. right? So all of this stuff is, is important, okay? but it's difficult. Juggling time is hard. And, and there is no set standard for anybody because we're in different seasons of life. I mean, if you're newlywed... If you're a dinks, double income, no kids, you have time. Most likely you have resources, so all you have to do is put your talents to work, right? And then fast forward a couple of years, and there's kid number one, number two, number three, and some of you keep on going, right? And, and you have, at that point in time, you have no more time, you have no more resources, and you have no energy to do anything, right? Because you have a bunch of kids running around, and all of that you have is poured right there. So we're in different seasons, 
of life. Some of us, you know, have health issues, which means we can't do some of the things. So there is no, like, perfect standard here. All right? So that's what we go down this road. And then, then let's not forget we are created differently. Some of us, and I fall in this category, have a built-in clock, right? Pretty much within 15 minutes and any time of the day, I can tell you, you know, what time it is. I don't, I don't need to look at the watch. It's just I don't know why. I go to bed at night. If I want to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, I go, okay, get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I fall asleep. 10 till 5, bing, I'm awake. Drives my wife crazy. She doesn't know how I do that because bless her, I love her. She's the other category, okay? She's the one, I mean, let alone not quite sure what day it is, let alone what time of day it is, right? And, and we're different. We're men, <laughs> yeah. Right? That's that song, Waiting on a Woman, right? Anyway, um, but I mean, we're different. We're created different. We're made different. So this time becomes a little bit of a struggle, but it is important. And even though there's no scripture that kind of gives us direct, how about time, we, we are learning in scripture that we're here a finite amount of days, right? Our, 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 our days are counted. They're, they're limited on this earth. We know that. The Bible tells us so. Experience tells us so. And, and God, even though I believe he kind of exists outside of time, he still created it. I mean, we, he built a solar system, and it's so precise we can set our clocks by it, right? So time is obviously important, and, and we find out. I mean, even the psalmist says, you know, that, that before he knit us together in a mother's womb, he, he knew our days. So time is, 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 is important. Somehow it needs to be spent well, all right? And we, in this mind series, we're all learning that it all belongs to him, our time included. So as we're going down this road, I mean, we can see here there's people, I mean, Brian just mentioned it here, we had a kid last week in, in, in children's church come to Christ. And I know, I know the time that's poured into that. There are volunteers back there and Jack is back there and, and time is poured in for these kiddos to get to know Christ. God uses us Uses people to evangelize people, so our time is important. The two people that went to the, the, the uh, new members class, right? They, they came to Christ in the last year through our church. And that's because some of you spent the time. People in their life who knew Christ spent the time to speak into them, to, to help them, to guide them, to lead them, to love them, Right? So this, this concept of time is important. Um, as we were discussing, Brian, Jeff, and I, about this stewardship series, <clears throat> we got to talking about the 80-20 rule. And I don't know if you know about the 80-20 rule or not, but anybody who is in any church, in any type of leadership of a church, knows the 80-20 rule. And here it is, okay? It is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And, and I don't mean that, but there's no guilt trip here. We're not packing our bags. We're not heading down that road, okay? There is no guilt. It's just a fact of life. I mean, so we call it a rule. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And we sat there and we talked, the three of us, and we got to this, what, what is it about the 20%ers, the ones who are doing 80% of the work? What is it about these guys? What are they connecting to? What is it? What is it? And as we're sitting there talking, um, this scripture comes to mind, which was Hebrews chapter 12, and it's talking about Jesus, and it says for, about Jesus, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross and its shame. 
for the joy set before him. So there's something that we can look at that and go, Jesus was able to look at what's coming. Right? He was willing, literally, to go through hell for what's coming, which is eternity with God and us. So I believe that these 20 percenters, right, the 20 percenters have, they see something that is greater than just their time. They see something, they have a, a view of something that is greater than just their time. And um, we're going to dive into this today. And I, I titled my message, um, Living a Hands-Off Life. And it might be a strange title, but I'm hoping that you guys will catch on why I named it that. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. So turn your Bibles there. If you have your swords or your lightsabers, that Bible app, whatever, connect to the River of Life. There is Wi-Fi here. It's great. <clears throat> I think the password is River of Life. So anyway, before we get going there and before I start reading, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the grace that you've given us. Lord, as we move into this and as we're reading your word, I praise you for, for putting men like Paul, for men like him putting their thoughts and their, their beliefs down in writing so that we can understand them, that you spoke to them, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you open hearts and ears so to hear your word this morning. And most of all, Lord, I pray that you hide me, your servant, behind your cross, so that whatever is of you is heard today, and whatever is of me is forgotten. Lord, I just praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I'll be reading out of the ESV translation. <clears throat> I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. Other translations say you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that di differ according to the grace given us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All right, as you notice here, the last four or five verses talks a lot about gifts, a lot about us being members of one body. That was Jeff's sermon. I'm not going to go there. That was last week, right? So if you missed it, go back and listen to it. It was good. So, but anyway, the sermon last week was about gifts and talents, and that's important. And I think we're going to focus on the first two verses of this. The f first two verses, I wanted to include all eight because it shows us that we're on the same concept. We are on the concept of time, talents, and resources, okay? 
So I want to I focus on these two first verses. A couple weeks ago, I was on a road trip. I was actually drove, driving to and from North Platte, Nebraska. I had some time in the truck, and I was just thinking and, and praying and, and listening to sermons and, and struggling where this time message is going to go. And I felt like I was going, here, here it is, Tobe. Listen to this. And the guy who was teaching the message that I heard at that point in time was telling me that he did research and found a, a, a pastor who wrote 10 sermons on these two verses. Don't worry, there's not going to be 10 sermons today. Okay? But there's a lot in here. There's a lot to unpack. And that's what we're going to do. So I'm just going to start reading, and I'm going to pick out words and, and kind of pick it apart a little bit. Okay? So it starts with, with this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. I appeal for you, therefore. Any Bible student knows that when the word therefore is there, you need to find out what it's there for. That's right. Which means you've got to kind of hang a left in the Bible, right? So if you do any study on, on the Romans, you find out that here at chapter 12, there is, a, there is a change of tone. There is a turn, okay? The therefore is there on purpose, right? The first 11 chapters tells us about our sinfulness and about God's grace. When we get to chapter 12, there's a turn, okay? So therefore, it hinges on all the first 11 chapters. We go from sinfulness, our sinfulness, God's grace, and then we step into, here's what, here's what I want you to do. Okay? So let me just run over the first 11 chapters real first, because there's, there's some really good stuff there, and if we don't understand this, this therefore doesn't make any sense. It's just kind of a strange sentence. Okay? So, chapter 1 in Romans shows us how detestable sin is and how sinners do these detestable sins. It even gives us a list of these sins. Chapter 2 continues on. We're reminding us that we too are sinners that do these detestable things. None of us can judge the other. Chapter 3 tells us even though we are all sinners, we are made right with God through Christ. That's a hallelujah right there. We are made right through God, to God or with God through Christ. We are all declared righteous through Jesus' sacrificed life. We are made right through faith, not law, nothing we could do. Right? Chapter 4, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life to make us right with God. Chapter 5, we've been brought into this undeserved privilege. Beautiful word underserved privilege through Christ. Rejoice, be happy. That's an amen. Exciting stuff. It also talks about Adam's sin contrasted with God's or Christ's grace and forgiveness. The law was given to show us our faithfulness. Show us our sinfulness. Let's get the right word here. Show us our sinfulness and how much we need grace, right? Chapter 6, we're no longer slaves to sin. Life in Christ means that the power of sin is broken. And that's a William Wallace hands up freedom, right? We are free. It's not performance driven. We don't come to Christ by something we have done. We all fall short. It's a free gift and it tells us so, right? 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Chapter 7 tells us we're free from the law, and then he goes into talking about the things I do not want to do, them I do. And the things I do want to do, them I do not do. It is sin living in me. Who will save me from this? Jesus. We're free. Chapter 8, and this is beautiful. We need to remember this, all of us. Chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. So if you walk out of this service today feeling condemned, I'm sorry. That is not of Christ. There is no condemnation in him. We've been forgiven. Condemnation is from the enemy. Conviction, that's the Holy Spirit. Right? Condemnation is from the enemy. Nothing, chapter 8 tells us, nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. That's amazing. Chapter 9, we'll get the concept of him being the potter and I am the clay. In chapter 10, here's this beautiful thing, and we hang our faith on this, this verse. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Beautiful stuff. And then we'll get to chapter 11. And turn with me there. This is the end of chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. And this brings into this whole concept of mine. Not mine, but yours, God. 11.33 says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. Verse 34, For who can know the Lord's thoughts and who knows enough to give him advice? Who has ever given him so much that he needs to pay it back? Verse 36, everything, everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever. Amen. Let me read that again. This is right up what we're talking about. Everything, our time, talents, and our resources, they all come from him. Everything comes from him, exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Therefore. Right? So, this therefore is, we have to understand the first 11 chapters. We have to understand I'm a sinner. I have to understand how detestable my sin is. I have to understand that through my brokenness, Christ in his glory died for me. He gave me his forgiveness, his righteousness. I received grace. If I understand that, therefore, brothers, we understand the mercies of God, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And, and, and here's the fascinating thing. The word sacrifice here, especially if you were part of first century Rome, you knew that sacrifice that was bloody and it meant death. So what Paul is saying here is present your life as a living death. Kind of strange, right? Present your body as a living death. Let's go back to the therefore. We know from the first 11 chapters that this is not a guilt offering. In the Old Testament, the guilt offering was you took the most perfect animal and you presented it and to God as a sacrifice, as atonement for your sin. That's not the case anymore. Okay? That's happened. Christ was the perfect sacrifice. Our sin has been forgiven. So this is not about, I've done something wrong, therefore I need to go and make it right. No. It's already made right through Christ. 
This is a response out of love. Okay? This is a response out of love. Being living sacrifice is a response out of love. And it's fascinating that Paul puts bodies as living sacrifice. I think it's, yes, it is part of that whole, the church term, putting your flesh to death. Okay? The flesh being me, my will, I. That's what I'm sacrificing here. Out of love for what Christ has done for me. Okay? So, we go back here. Bodies... In first century Rome and and in Greek, bodies were like filthy. We didn't talk about bodies. It was all about the mind, all about our souls, our spirits, right? We didn't talk much about the body. And here is an apostle of Christ talking about giving our bodies as a sacrifice. And what what I think he means by that is through our bodies is where the action of our minds and our souls come. It's through our bodies, right? So, in other words, I need to do something with these two hands. I need to do something. I need to give it all to Christ, all to God. Be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let's just talk about the word worship. Let's not get confused. A lot of us kind of get caught up in the worship as we sing in. We have a hands up. Tim Hawkins carrying the, the white big screen TV, you know, that kind of thing. Yes, that is a form of worship, but it's a very inward-focused worship. If, if you read in First Peter, and Jeff brought it up last week, First Peter talks about serving, that that is giving glory to Christ, giving glory to God. Service, serve, is an act of worship. Okay? So let's, let, let's think about worship as serving. The word spiritual... And it depends on what translation you have. The NLT, which is the way I normally go, says this is truly the way to worship. And a lot of translations are different, different words that are spiritual. The actual Greek word that they're trying to translate is logikon. We get a word logic from it. Okay? So what, what, what Paul is telling us here is the spiritual worship, the only rational way, the logical response to the therefore, the other 11 chapters, is to offer up myself as a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to the world, he tells us. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't be stuck in, in what the world is doing because that is, we've, we've already been there. That's what we're saved from, Right? But he's telling us, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Remember. Remember those 11 chapters. Remember, focus on, this is what you were. This is who I now am. This is what Christ has done for me. And that, that brings out gratefulness. That brings out love. That brings out trust. All right? So we, we are coming out and, and we are being... Renew by mind by, by remembering the therefore and then test. Test, right? Renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what God's will is for you. And God's will for you is good, perfect, and pleasing. I think we have a tendency to go down this road of saying, well, if I surrender to God, it's going to send me to Guam as a missionary and I'm going to be stuck there eating rice pudding all day long. And I don't want, you know... We get stuck in that mode, and therefore I'm not going to surrender. Yeah, it's okay, God may send you to Guam. I'm not going to argue that. He may very well do that, but trust me, if He does, that is a good, perfect, and pleasing part of Him. And you will know it. By testing, stick your neck out. 
okay, God, do you want me to do this? I'm not really sure, you know, but I'm surrendering. I'll, you, tell me, you tell me to jump, Lord. I tell you how, I'll just, how high. I'll jump, right? Stick my neck out there, little, little, little okay, by testing. And, and he will respond. We have to come to the realization that, like chapter 11 told us, that it's all his. He is so much wiser than I could ever be. He knows what's best for me because he knitted me together in my mother's womb. Right? His will for me is good, perfect, and pleasing. Good, acceptable, and perfect. Right? Do I trust that? This is what Paul is telling us here in these first two verses. Therefore, remember all those 11 verses. Remember your sin. Remember what God did for you through Christ. Remember the grace you've been given. And therefore, hands off. I'll take my hands off my life. It's all you, Jesus, right? So we'll come to the soul walk part. How do I, how do I, incor- how, what do I do here? Verse Three tells us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And here's how I take that. My sin, do I remember it? Do I remember how sinful I am? Ephesians 2, 1 and 3 says this, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, all of us, used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. This is what I love about Paul. Paul doesn't pull any punches. Pretty much in every letter, there is something like this in there. And he includes himself every time. And he's an apostle. He calls himself the chief among sinners. Right? Don't forget our sin. Don't forget who you were. I ask myself this question. I, let me not forget who I was before Christ. Okay? Do I remember the trajectory I was on before Christ interfered? And stopped me? Can I see the end result of that? Do I remember who I was before the Holy Spirit started dwelling in me? If we remember this, we will not think too highly of ourselves because we know how broken we are. Do I remember what it was that finally broke me? I mean, that's, that's a common denominator with all of us Christians. We're all broken. Because if we're not broken, we don't understand what Jesus did for us. Right? We're broken. Do I remember that? Do I remember that? Do I remember that I still struggle with sin? And, and that whole chapter 7, the things I do not want to do, them I do. That it's a battle with the flesh. Do I remember that? Do I remember what Christ saved me from? If we don't remember that, and we come to church every, every Sunday, pretty soon we have a moralistic church. It's not a church built on grace anymore. It's a church built on moralism. Basically, you have to reach this bar before you can come into our church. Moralism. Right? That, that is so not Christianity. 
Christianity is Christ met me when I saw bottom from underneath. That's where he met me. He has no, no fear of going where it's ugly. I don't have to perform a certain way. There's no performance involved here. It's all grace. Do I remember what Christ saved me from? Do I remember the grace I was given? What is my response to this grace? What is my response to this grace? Ephesians continue in chapter 2, verse 8 and 10. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. No, it's not a reward. We didn't do anything to deserve it. And there's not a good reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. The ESV says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God's grace, what is my response? Jeff talked about this last week. Response is gratefulness. If I remember who I was, if I remember what the sin, to remember my sinfulness, I remember what I'm saved from. Thank you, Jesus. There's the, 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 you know, this, this is the, to me, this is the only logical response to this. But truly understand this. Thank you, Jesus. And now I'm knowing that I am loved despite myself. Truly, unconditionally loved. A, love that is, a man that is loved well will love well. Right? So I am loved, therefore I can respond in love. And the last one, and this is such a struggle for me. Trust. Trust. Do I really trust that He knows what is best for me? Do I really trust... That his will for me is good, perfect, and pleasing. I can tell you this particular thing really set me back. About eight years ago, when the height of the recession, everything I, I have built up is falling apart. I got about a third of business, what I used to have. Everything is going downhill. Nicole and I are struggling in our marriage. It seems like everything. Dark night of the soul, we call it in church, right? Just, it was just hard. And I'm crying out to God. And I'm just going, okay, God, what's going on? And I need your help. And, and, and there's a lot of conversation. There's a lot of stuff. And I can talk about this for hours. But there's a lot of stuff going on there. And in the middle of it all, I feel God impressing upon me, saying, Toby, you are an idolater. You have an idol. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about, God? What do you mean I have an idol? I mean, I don't, I don't have a shrine in my house. I have no, you know... I'm not even a sports fan. I don't even have a Bronco shrine in my house, right? I, I don't get it. What is it, God? I mean, what are you talking about? And, I, and I'm just struggling through this. And through the weeks, we're, you know, pretty soon I, I feel him impressing upon me. and goes, no, 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 Toby. You have somebody that you put before me in your life. Okay. Yeah, it's you. Right? So that whole trust thing. What it boiled down to is I didn't trust him. 
I know gratefulness. I can be grateful. I feel the love. But, but will I surrender? Will I present myself as a holy sacrifice? Will I go, hands off? No, I, I was like, I will do this. I make the decisions. Yes, okay, we might come on Sunday mornings, I, I, you know, if I feel like it. I might, you know, I, 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 no wonder I'm struggling in my marriage. Arrogance, right? I thought I knew best. Trust. Gratefulness, love, and trust. How do I put that into action? James chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. Now, some may argue. Some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith, but my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? We need to put our gratefulness, our love, and our trust into action. The first thing, and I'm, I, this is first because this is where I struggle. I need to take my hands off my life. I need to take my hands off. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in control. I'm not in charge. God is. He is wiser than me. He knows what's best for my life. He will bring to me what is good, perfect, and pleasing. Right? Second thing, there's a job to do. Do it. We find out, and this was Ephesians, right? Chapter 2, verse 10. We're all created. We're all his handiwork, all his workmanship. And the ESV says that he, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared beforehand so and the rest of the romans here in the verses four five six seven eight tell us all about being part of the body we have a job to do no by testing he told us in verse two testing St- stick our foot out there our neck out a little bit okay god this is what you want us to do. We have to realize if we're part of a body, we have an integral part to do. That, that literally means that there are certain things, certain giftings that you have that God gave you that fits in this church, that fits in the church universal. There are people out there who need your gifting. There are people out there with your name on them. There are people out there with my name on them. We need to use our gifts, right? That takes time. We have to be willing to invest our time. And the last thing here is prayerfully consider our talents, time, and resources. Don't do like I did. Don't go, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll check that out. No, pray about it. Right? God, which ones are the big rocks that go in my time jar first? I can't tell you what those are. He can you live a different life than I do. You have different giftings. You have different resources. You have different season. You need to take it all to God. And just, it's yours, God. Hands off. Right? My talents, my time, 
my resources really aren't mine. They're yours. Show me how to steward them well. I'm going to leave you with two quotes. Timothy Keller says this, and I was reading on the book of his concerning these two verses. The only rational response to Jesus giving us all of himself is to give our, all of ourselves to him. Hands off. And I'll wrap up with what Jeff brought up last week, which I think is beautiful. On the judgment day, God will ask us two questions. Question number one, what do you do my son? Who is Jesus to you? Question number two, what did you do with the gifts I gave you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for all those 11 chapters in Romans that show us how much we need you and the fact that you gave your grace, that you gave your mercies. Lord, I just praise you that you gave us giftings, that we are all needed. None of us are overlooked. You gave us all a gift, a talent to be used for your glory. Lord, help us surrender well. Help us go to that altar and be a living sacrifice and surrender and say, I'll take my hands off, Lord. It's all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Toby, thank you for helping us see through God's word what it looks like to live that hands-off life. And as you're standing up, I just want to uh, encourage you as we say our benediction, you can stand, is this living the hands-off life may begin for you with saying, I'm going to take control off of my life and I'm going to give my life over to Jesus Christ for the very first time today. Scripture tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The Spirit of God is calling you today to surrender your life to Jesus, to confess your sin to Him, and place your faith and your trust in Him for your salvation. Do it today. Do it right now, even as I'm talking, and and confess your sin to Him and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Others of us, the challenge in front of us is to let go and to allow God to live through us and let go of our time, talents, and our resources. And uh, that is a good challenge. It's a healthy challenge. It's one that brings great joy and great satisfaction in walking with the Lord as we let go of control. I want to leave you with some scripture from Colossians chapter 3 as our benediction today. A couple of verses out of this chapter says this. But then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience... Bear with one another, and, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive one another. And above all these, put on love. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. We have much to give thanks for. As you go out from here today, there's a jar in the back of the sanctuary where we can place some thanks to the Lord. If you have something you're thankful for, would you write that down on one of the cards and drop it in there? And in just a couple of weeks, we're going to bring those forward and and offer those up as an offering to the Lord. We'll see you back here next week.